everybody, welcome back to the WTF1 podcast. We are here, that time when edition, to talk about when Sebastian Vettel won nine consecutive races at the end of the 2013 season. Now, it's not just me talking to myself. I've got two much more knowledgeable people in this conversation, one of which, the WTF1 founder, Tom Bellingham. Uh, I didn't actually say that you were the WTF1 founder last time, Tommy, and that was the top comment in our podcast. So uh, yeah, there you, you go. You confused, a lot. Founder. You confused you a lot of people. And uh, Katie Fairman, who has also been founded did by Tommy. You are technically I am all founded child. By <laughs> yeah, we are. We are children of Tommy. Um, but Katie is obviously the WTF1 editor. And uh, welcome, guys. Uh, we're going to talk about uh, a dominant era of Formula One, Red Bull smashing it. And uh, let's start with the 2013 season, of course. And what what was F1 like back then? Should we cast our minds, get a little crystal ball, but go backwards rather than forwards? Yeah, like I think style. people people clearly it's Mercedes are so dominant now that people clearly want us to talk about an era where someone else was dominant. Um, but this was <laughs> this was Sebastian Vettel in Red Bull. So yeah, last last year of the V8s, which people still um, miss a lot, I guess. And 2013 was Vettel's last world championship, spoiler. Um, and yeah, he was, he'd just recently become the youngest ever three-time world champion. And it's one of those, one of those eras where I, f- I feel like it gets a bit of a bad rep for dominance, but we had some amazing races. And at the end of the day, two of these, uh, two of the three titles before going into the season had gone down to the wire and been truly epic so i think it's a lot closer than people think this this year even though it was dominated yeah uh, we all watched the 2013 season as it unfolded um and as a fan then i mean pretty much like fans now it was quite frustrating seeing the same person win every what felt like every single race um but looking back actually it was a really good season um and one that i feel is kind of underappreciated a bit um despite the fact that seb just took the win with everything every single race in the end of the season took the win with everything i love that he won <laughs> everything he ever did ever um, but it, it, it felt is, like it is it. quite it is quite funny how people you know i see some very bad opinions on twitter about um you know for example lewis hamilton you know ah oh, you know let's get george russell in let's i hope lewis retires within a year if george is winning everything they'll be saying let's get someone else in there oh, you know i'm so bored it it doesn't matter who you are even Daniel Ricciardo, one of the most liked people on the grid, if he started winning everything, people would probably get bored. It's just human nature, isn't well, it? Let's not forget Vettel is now, seems to be the most likable driver on the grid. And even before he started dominating, he was um, the most likable driver. Everyone was loving it. He was on top gear and everyone thought it was hilarious. And he, he liked British comedy and they thought he was like this really fun kid and really happy. And then suddenly he started winning and it seemed like a lot of people hated him. So... There's a trend, isn't there? <laughs> yeah, absolutely is. And Vettel had just become the youngest ever three-time world champion in 2012. Uh, so uh, he was... Well, at, the, at this stage, people were going, how many is this guy going to get? You know, we, we, we thought that maybe he was going to be the one that would match Michael Schumacher. Uh, and at the same time as this, it was Hamilton's first year with Mercedes, and Mercedes still weren't uh, the dominant force that they are now. Uh, and they were still very much finding their feet. 
And, you know, looking at the Shumi blueprints, that's what I'm going to say. You know, Shumi's laid down all these foundations. They're just trying to decipher everything. Uh, so Mercedes needed a few years. I'm basically saying that Michael Schumacher was the absolute element of Mercedes' success. But, you know, that's just that's just me talking as a fanboy. Uh, let's start at the beginning of the season. Uh, a lot of... And it was a lot closer than people remember. You know, Tommy, you said that, you know, people look back at this as a very dominant era, but there were quite a few different winners at the start of the season. And uh, Vettel wasn't running away with all of them. No, if you look at Vettel's start to the season, so the first few races was third, first, fourth, first, fourth, second, which is obviously consistent, but not completely dominant. You'd argue that if Lewis Hamilton in the Mercedes that he's got was third, first, fourth, first, fourth, there'd be questions about why, you know, he's not, he's not sort of, doing so well so it was a lot closer at the start of the season than people remember and the fact that they'd we'd just come back off the season like I said where 2012 an amazing end to the year where Vettel won the point uh, won the championship in just the smallest margin and then you went into this season and you had Kimi Raikkonen winning the first race Vettel winning then Alonso winning in three different cars um, which we don't see a lot nowadays (laughs) It was it was a great start to the season. Like you say, we had Kimi, Seb, Fernando, um, Nico Rosberg having some wins in there. In fact, it took until round 10 in Hungary for Lewis Hamilton to actually take his only victory in 2013. So there was certainly a lot of variety in competition and controversy at the start of the 2013 season. Um, one of which we'll sort of talk a little bit about, but um, the race in Malaysia, which has come with quite an iconic catchphrase that has haunted Sebastian for the rest of his career, I think. Well, good good tea up for Malaysia. Uh, we're yeah. not going to go there just yet. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, you mentioned about Hamilton only winning one race. I think the McLaren, if my memory serves me correct, was a bit of a dog that year. And, yeah. um, he was and, in and the Mercedes, Hamilton's... though. Sorry, Mercedes, <laughs> not McLaren. Uh, yeah, yeah. I'm just... I'm going back so far, I just kind of get them mixed up. Sorry, yeah, it was yeah. first year at Mercedes. I even said that, uh, but my brain didn't compute. But yeah, it, Mercedes was still very much finding their feet, wasn't it? Yeah, um, definitely. But he still managed to win a race, which was which was big. You know, we were all happy for Lewis that he won that uh, in the Mercedes. And, and, and now you look at us and you kind of wonder uh, whatever happened. Well, they won everything. But, um, but yeah, it, it was uh, an interesting time. Um, you know, because that big move, obviously, for Lewis, for people that didn't know, you know, the fact that he moved to Mercedes was very much seen as a money move. There was no real in, you know, intuition, apparently, uh, according to fans. And a lot of people believe that Hamilton went there just purely for the, the big dollar bills and not anything else. Uh, and we kind of wrote him off as as someone that, you know, maybe had thrown away potential world championships down the line. But I mean, how that's changed. Um, but that's testament to Lewis as well, and the fact that he clearly can build a team around him to win in every single season he's ever take, taken part in. Yeah, exactly. It was a, a strange, strange moment that you almost forget that he had one year in the V V eight era before, because because it does feel like he just joined Mercedes and they just completely dominated everything. Uh, but he did have this sort of stopgap, and like you say. <laughs> we were there in Hungary, all happy that Lewis Hamilton had um, stopped such dominance. Um, and who'd have thought that a few years later, we like a lot of fans would just be hoping someone other than Lewis to win in a Mercedes. But in this era, it was hoping that Lewis would win in a Mercedes to stop other dominance. Little did we know, eh? 
but yeah, there was certainly <laughs> a lot of doubt. I mean, we did a podcast on it, didn't we? Um, a few weeks ago about everybody's reaction to him deciding to make that move from McLaren to Mercedes. Um, he took over the role of Michael Schumacher um, and he said, I was watching the BBC. Sad shoomy noises. Yeah, Sorry, I know. Karen. Sorry about that. Bring it up and trigger you. But uh, <laughs> he said that he was given all of Michael's engineers and stuff like that. Um, and Nico Rosberg, who he partnered, was able to keep his engineers, which he said he enjoyed because when Jensen went to McLaren and he was there, McLaren took quite a lot of Lewis's engineers and performance um, coaches and stuff like that and gave them to Jensen, which he wasn't too happy about. So he was happy to sort of have his own team that um, Schumacher had helped, you know, educate them and get them ready for the season. And like you say, Nico seemed to be doing pretty well. Um, his teammate there were some controversial team orders um, early on in the season but yeah we were just happy to see Mercedes as almost like an underdog which sounds so strange to say doesn't it when you look at how they are now but they were in 2013 they were the underdog they were you know they showed glimpses uh, in 2012 they had great one lap pace um, especially at the start of the season and uh, but just couldn't really seem to turn that into to race performance um, which was you know, we kind of thought then Mercedes would continue to, to, to build and build and build, which I guess they did. Uh, but 2013, they definitely weren't the favourites by any stretch of the imagination um, and, and definitely didn't have the quickest car uh, either, which sounds weird to say, as you say. <laughs> um, so we've mentioned that the start of the season was a lot closer than people remember. Um, if we now take a look at round eight, which was Silverstone, uh, Vettel retires from the lead. Um, and we're eight rounds in. People think, you know, dominance and yet Alonso was less than a win behind Vettel in the championship. Yeah, we kind of skipped over Multi 21 there. We won't go we'll probably do a a podcast of its own on Multi 21, but That's why I skipped just, it because uh, you said look, look, we're going to we're not going to talk about it. It's I just think we need a little separate thing. I know, but we just need a little bit of context that Okay, Malaysia Multi 21. M- Malaysia, Vettel overtook <laughs> Weber. Uh, so so w- strangely, his first win of the year yeah, was by disobeying team orders and overtaking Weber when he wasn't meant to. And then there was this whole big controversy and that certainly didn't help the um, Sebastian Vettel hatred, I guess, that this guy had dominated. Um, a lot of people like, come on, you've won enough. Mm-hmm. Now you're disobeying team orders to win even more, but there you go. Um, but yeah, when when it got to, to round eight, it wasn't, it was a pretty close championship and a lot of people mentioned that oh this is the kind of a a season where Vettel just completely dominated and it was never in doubt that Vettel was going to win it wasn't exactly the case Uh, up to round eight I'm sure nowadays we'd love to get to round eight and there still be a really good (laughs) title fight round eight they're already engraving the trophy yeah exactly the, the driver's championship aren't they yeah, well, Sebastian Vettel, like we say, was 132 points after the uh, British Grand Prix. Fernando Alonso catching him up with 111. Um, but yeah, essentially a gearbox failure forced Vettel to retire on the first f- 41st lap of the race. Easy for me to say. Um, and we began to think, oh, maybe this is going to spice up the championship and we could be in for a real um, variety of winners in the second half of the season. <laughs> Good one. <laughs> Good joke. How wrong are we? If, you've How read, wrong are we? if everyone has read the title, you know that that's not going to happen. No. I, I guess <laughs> one thing to mention that Silverstone race as well was actually that was the race where we had all the Pirelli tyre blowouts yes, and that kind so of changed good. the dynamic of the season where 
it was a little bit more mixed up because people couldn't understand the tires and then that was almost the trigger point for Pirelli where people said no this is ridiculous now we can't have these tire blowouts and it almost was such a huge thing that people got fed up with that they just almost went completely back to um and that that's part of the reason why you know we get one-stop races all the time because of that race so thanks Silverstone cheers yeah, cheers <laughs> uh, absolute tire killer um well not the only time it's killed tires I mean Lewis Hamilton yeah. managed to crawl over the line I guess mm-hmm. uh, yeah. last season but um yeah it's uh it's, it's definitely well, I, it's a difficult one I, I obviously that's another conversation completely about where the tires should be and where's the sweet spot it's it's so difficult um but hopefully with the 2022 race we don't have to worry about one-stop races because they're going to be side by side throughout the entirety of the race right good Fingers cool crossed. um so yeah we mentioned that this is the start of vettel's race winning run uh, he had dominant wins in in monza and belgium um and then, Tommy, you've actually put in the sheet here, crushing victory in Singapore. Crushing victory. Uh, and this is where the fans, and definitely me, uh, start to get a little bit bored of of, <laughs> of everything going on. Yeah, I, I certainly wasn't. I was a Vettel fanboy at the time. Oh, but shock. Yeah, yeah. Always, always support, you know, Red Bull. Such a Red Bull yeah, fanboy. Um, yeah, this was the time where Vettel started to get booed on the podium. So he won in... Singapore by 32 seconds um, and just completely wiped the floor with everyone um, to the point where Giancarlo Minardi, who was the founder of Minardi, the founder, founder, um, wrote... Who's the founder of WTF1? Sorry, I forgot. I can't remember. Um, (laughs) There was... He wrote a a piece uh, claiming that Vettel had illegal traction control and tried to you know, it's just like it, people that ha- didn't live through this era are probably understanding that this it sounds very familiar that, oh, he's only winning because he's in the best car and people were picking holes in everything saying, you know, he only wins in the best car. Oh, he's got traction control. Oh, he can only win in an Adrian Newey designed car. The car's so much better than everyone else. Um, and this is where people started to boo on the podium um, part of that was because of no doubt multi twenty one where Vettel was definitely portrayed as the villain in that situation where he defined team orders to win and famously in Singapore, Vettel mentioned uh yeah he got booed on the podium, Martin Brundle pointed it out, and Vettel kind of jokingly shrugged it off and said, "Oh, they all go um around on a tour in the boo bus." <laughs> and uh follow me at follow me at every track so that's where the boo bus was born yeah i think i've never heard of that no never heard of the boo bus bus. okay that's something for your vocabulary a new word thank you (laughs) boo bus boo bus so yeah like like tommy said dominant wins in belgium and monza everybody came back from the summer break with loads of optimism we'd had this really exciting start to the season but red bull just took this massive step during the summer um there was so much downforce on that red bull but they constantly downplayed it um for the belgian grand prix hamilton um i believe was on pole vettel just overtook him straight away for the lead um with hamilton comparing it to him being in a propeller plane and vettel being in a jet plane 
Um, so not too happy with that. Italy, much of the same. Um, and then that weekend, Red Bull also announced that Ricardo would be making the move up to Red Bull for 2014. So we kind of had indications that, that Weber was going to be leaving the team. Um, obviously, lots of reasons as to why he left. Quite a lot of people liked the idea that after multi-21, he was just, you know, like, screw this, I'm out. I'm never going to be the number one driver at this team. It's always going to be Seb's their golden boys. We throw that phrase around now with Max Verstappen. Uh, but he was sort of, I'm, I'm off, I'm out. Um, and then, like you say, um, Vettel was so dominant in Singapore, put one of his best ever performances on. He got pole, he led every lap, he scored the fastest lap, and he won by more than 32 seconds to second place. Um, but fans, And then got booed. Yeah, then he did all of that hard work, and the only reaction fans had was to boo him on the podium, which, for somebody that's grown up with F1, much as you two have... I think that's one of the first times I remember seeing a driver being booed on the podium and I remember it really like affecting me. I just didn't like it at all. Certainly outside Monza as well because I think uh, Monza was the previous race if I'm if I'm right and there's was, always yeah. Monza sort of gets a little bit of a a free pass where you go well of course they're you know it's just it's just passion. The they're Ferrari, Ferrari fans, fans are yeah. uh, just sort of booing and whistling at whoever's on the podium if it's not a Ferrari. But when you move to tracks like Singapore and other other tracks and it's happening, that's when it was like, okay, this is this is a, a thing now. Yeah. Yeah, I, I I wasn't a fan of it really. No. Um, I know there was sort of split debate in the centre. Well, I mean, there's debate on everything, but uh, in terms of some people were were quite happy that it's you know it's pantomime and you know it's not really you know that deep. But then the other side of it is that you know these these drivers, well, Sebastian, because uh, that's what who it was aimed at you know risking their lives for for entertainment and you know all the, all the fans can do is is boo and jeer and for me it, yeah it left a little bit of a sour taste to be honest because even though you know what's Vettel supposed to do <laughs> i mean i know that he defied team orders but like it wasn't the worst thing that's ever happened in formula 1 you know the the thing that what he did was okay he took it into his own hands and won the race in malaysia but you know i don't think it really deserved the the consistent you know, negativity uh, thrown towards him after a race. You know, fair enough. Go and tweet. Go and use Facebook. Whatever you did back then, but it just, yeah, it it, it wasn't something that I was a particular fan of. Um, and well, to be fair, I'm sure Vettel cried into the. Well, I can't imagine how much money he would yeah. have made from uh, that that <laughs> that race winning run. But yeah, I'm, sure, I'm sure he got. I'm sure he yeah. cried into his massive bubble bath and full of trophies. Yeah. yeah, yeah, a bubble bath full of trophies. <laughs> oh, um, moving painful. on, uh, so Vettel so is uh, obviously still on a race-winning run as we get to the Indian Grand Prix, which was his sixth victory in a row. The Indian Grand Prix, God, that oh, is no. a throwback. Weird what what, what was that called? What was that racetrack called? Oh, can you remember? Uh, it's like the um, was that the one that was the Buddha Buddha International Circuit? Yeah, I feel like it was actually. Yeah, Buddha International um, Circuit. Yeah, I'm literally yeah. typing it in as we speak. But yes, yeah. Buddha Inter- International Circuit, which I thought was... It's not a bad track, was, to be fair. It wasn't bad, it. was it? Yeah. Um, you know, the f- it had a really long straight um, in the first... Well, was it, I can't remember where the first sector line was, but it was after turn three. I guess a, a little bit was, was quite single file. But then you had that cool kind of sweeping right-hander as well, which, yeah, it wasn't the worst track ever but it got yeah. it got binned off pretty quick didn't it yeah same with career which was also on this calendar and part Vettel sort of gained a bit of a reputation of when you got to the end of the year because what he'd done previously in 2012 
which we did in the other podcast where you know you had seven different winners in the first seven races and I think Alonso was pushing about 50 points clear in the title at one point and then you get to the flyaway races in Singapore, Korea, Japan, India and Vettel just built this reputation of he just dominates them and he just yeah. every, every time you got to there he'd just win four, five, six, seven in a row it didn't didn't matter he'd just dominate the end of the season um but this kind of took the biscuit a bit <laughs> it took the biscuit because it, it, it hosted three events the indian grand prix uh, and it was pretty much sebastian vettel's backyard wasn't it um and this yeah. was where he became the four-time world champion in this wonderful story that we have uh, from the 2013 season uh, and there was amazing celebrations tommy there sure was Pers- personally i still think this is the best ever celebration of the world championship because this is an era where it was still very much in the Bernie era where Formula One had a bit of a reputation of not not having too much fun. And I think it was, I can't remember if it was that year or the previous year you had Weber where he got a taxi ride from Alonso back and they penalised both of them. And the it was very much frowned upon that you weren't allowed to do donuts because you get penalised and all this kind of stuff. And Vettel didn't drive into Park Ferme. This is something that, you know, we'd not really seen before. Now you people do quite a lot of donuts at the end of races, especially at Abu Dhabi at the end of the season, but this was very new. Drove onto the pit straight, floored a load of donuts and then bowed down to his car. And I think a lot of people were like, Okay, fair play, this is we're witnessing history here and mm-hmm. this was an incredible moment and the fact that he sort of bowed down to his car as well acknowledging all the the haters that say oh it's only only his car and sort of it was a a great moment of sort of amazing driver in an amazing car just all the emotion of becoming a four-time champion which was pretty mad i think actually that this is possibly my favorite f1 moment um you know i wasn't particularly a massive seb fan um but seeing him get out of the car and bow down to it just it gave me chills and it still gives me chills to this day like watching it um you know sort of him really showing off that harmony between man and machine which at the end of the day is what f1 is all about and and getting that right is what results in these wins and this dominance and stuff like that but it was just such an iconic and emotional celebration from him um he equaled alan prost um with his four championships um and put himself up there with the greats obviously this is before hamilton had his dominance so he became um one of a very select few to have so many championships um and afterwards you know I'm sure he was full of emotion, but speaking to people like Lee McKenzie afterwards, they said, you know, what you've done today um, is going to inspire the next generation of kids, to which he responded and said, well, that's weird because I am still a kid, (laughs) which I thought was quite sweet. He was 26 then, so still, you know, (laughs) relatively young, um, but yeah, just amazing scenes and uh, something that I'll always have like a memory in the back of my mind when I think of F1 is that moment. I think there's a great uh this you'll enjoy this map but i'm sure i think there's a great quote from mick schumacher I believe who said um how vettel idolized michael schumacher vettel was that person for mick schumacher because i guess he was growing up in this era where like you say vettel was just peak of his powers and just doing unbelievable things so yeah he did yeah. he did very much inspire the next generation yeah i got 
I mean, you know, most of my uh, chilling moments come from something that Michael Schumacher did. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I can completely understand. You know, it was a great moment, and um, and that was when we, you know, well, I truly feared as a Shumi fanboy that uh, he was going to get ten world titles, yeah. especially with the the comment that he was only twenty six at the time. Um, there was, you know, if things had played out right for for Seb, then then maybe he would be in Lewis's shoes right now. But there you go. Um, my one out of interest is obviously Shumi Pol. Uh, <laughs> taken away from him, whatever. Okay, uh, moving on. Let's not talk about Shumi too much. This is Vettel. We're talking about Sebastian. Um, and next up is the US Grand Prix. Yeah. So speaking of records being broken, Katie, about uh, equaling um, four world titles and things like that with, with, with Nicky Lauda, you also have Vettel beating Ascari and Schumacher's record of seven wins in a row. Which he did. Uh, he did. Yeah. Yeah. Ascari I mean, set that record in 1953. Smashing everything. Schumacher set that record in 2004. So, yeah, those records are now null and void, and Sebastian owns them. But, um, I mean, just amazing achievements. It's so silly because, like we've said before on this podcast, looking back at it, everybody was like, oh, not another Sebastian Sorry, win. Not, equal, not equaling Nicky Lauder's surpassing. I apologise. Carry right. on. Um, but he, like looking back now, I just have nothing but respect for it. But obviously at the time as a young fan, you're thinking, oh, like, come on, can somebody else have a chance? But uh, it is amazing to, to see him have all of these records and look at this dominance when you compare it to how he is now. And we'll probably talk about this a little bit later, you know, to round up the podcast. But it's, he's had almost, well, he has had a fall from grace, hasn't he? Because... He was so dominant. We we thought he could be the one to beat Schumacher's record, um, and it sort of all just crumbled away for him. But anyway, that's a bit depressing. Let's go back to him winning his races. <laughs> <laughs> yeah the 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 thing about Ascari's record before everyone's in the comment section. So um, Ascari won nine in a row if you discount the Indy 500 as part of the championship, but it was part of the championship. So Ascari's record. This is back in the 50s when the Indy 500 counted as a Formula One race and was part of the Formula One World Championship, (laughs) but not everyone did it. So some people would argue that Ascari won nine in a row because he missed the Indy 500 and then won the next two races. But I guess either way. Technically speaking for the record books. So technically speaking for the record books, Vettel um, beat, beat Ascari and Schumacher's record of seven wins in a row. And then, uh, yeah, onto onto the next thing of the the radio message. Um, after he won that race at the U.S. Grand Prix, he did a team radio, which was we have to remember these days. There's no guarantee they will last forever, and I think that's quite fitting when you think that. I'm sure if all of us went back to that moment where Vettel had just won his fourth world title. He's just won eight races in a row, won the world championship by hundreds and hundreds of points, and it seemed like his dominance would last forever. Imagine telling anyone then that Red Bull nor Vettel would win another world title, at least until now. Um, You wouldn't believe it, would you, that in the next seven, eight years, he wouldn't win another title. It's crazy to think. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, well, I I guess that shows that Seb knows how how quickly it can change in Formula 1. Yeah. Um, but all of us would shrug it off going, oh, whatever, you know, Red Bull are going to be winning for the foreseeable future. Um, but no, 
No, they didn't. And um, Seb, in fact, got beaten by his teammate the next season, uh, of all things that, yeah. that happened, didn't he, with uh, Daniel Ricciardo. So, uh, so that was the, the eighth win in a row. We now get to Brazil, where, of course, Sebastian Vettel wins the final race of the year um, when teammate Weber obviously was was retiring for the uh, having his final race and it was a, a lovely fitting one two uh, for red bull um and then that was as we mentioned vettel's final win which was yeah a, a bit of a shock to the system yeah record ninth win he was on pole by an absolutely massive margin as well um and this is just when he was just in the form of his life seemed just completely uh, it, it felt like that season that they could have had another five races and he would have won them five as well. It's, it's, it's absolutely insane to think that he never won a race for Red Bull again. It's just so bizarre, isn't it? When yeah. you look at how competitive and, and serious he was with this and then it just doesn't materialise ever again. Um, he did win another race after that. The next win came in 2015 at the Malaysian Grand Prix with Ferrari. But yeah, it's very strange to think that he had all these victories in a row you know became the only driver ever to win nine consecutive races in a season and then it just it's like falling off a cliff it just all crumbled away but that's formula one that's why we we love it for this unpredictability because you might think you know what's coming around that corner but normally never the case unless you're Lewis Hamilton and you're going to go on and win another 10 championships. I was going to say, that's us right now coming into the next season going, You never know. You never know. Run away. Ferrari might do something. That's what I've been saying and everyone else has been going, oh no, it's done. And I'm like, well, just wait and see. Okay. Let's have some hope and then see what happens. Have some optimism. Come on, guys. When they're on pole by a second in Bahrain. Whatever. That's it. At least it's not Australia. I'm not saying that because I don't like Australia. I'm saying that because Australia is usually Mercedes like mm. Ville. You know, they're usually on, on pole by over a second and it's ridiculous. Maybe with Bahrain we'll get a different start to the season. Who knows? But um <laughs> yeah. where, where does this rank in, in Formula One's best achievements? I guess we'll ask that to everybody listening and watching as well. So let us know in the comments section what you think. Um and do you think there are better achievements out there? I think it definitely I mean to win nine races in a row with how I know that he's in the best car, but so many different things can happen. A little mistake here or there, but it just shows, I guess it could be compared to like when Button, for example, has you know the best car and it's, it's to his liking that they can win you know, week in, week out. Uh, and I think this was the perfect harmony for, for Vettel. The car, it suited him, the, the, the environment as well. And um, yeah, it's definitely up there. Uh, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a record-breaking achievement. Um, so yeah. again it's difficult to say what's the best achievement because it depends what you're measuring it on but it certainly needs to be to, to be in the minds of people when you when you think of that yeah I totally agree for, for me this is one of the best examples out there of you know driver and machine working in perfect harmony together to just completely completely dominate it's absolutely insane to me and I think you know, there's no, there's no doubt in my mind, and this is just personal opinion. I'm ready for the the backlash, but I think I'm sure a lot of people will agree that um, Hamilton, the fact that Lewis Hamilton has achieved so much across various um, seasons and rule changes and stuff, for me, is a better driver than Sebastian Vettel, and I'm willing to admit Without that. Without a doubt, no, 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 yeah. I'm completely yeah, yeah. with you. I'm willing to admit that. But one thing that I think 
um, Vettel will always have is this nine victories in a row, which I would argue that Hamilton, that like the Mercedes now is has a more uh, has a better gap on the field than what the Red Bull had in this era and Hamilton's not come anywhere near getting nine victories in a row like you say to to there's so many variables that could happen and I think this is one that Vettel should just be yeah like immensely proud of the fact that even even in the dominant Mercedes they've not got anywhere near this record which is incredible to think and yeah it's an, an amazing achievement it's just Vettel in that car just seemed untouchable and like I mentioned earlier you could have just if that season had gone on forever and they delayed the 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 changes to the hybrid era goodness knows how many titles and victories Vettel would would have won because he just seemed to be it was just the perfect match of I mean he won the world title by 155 points which is just <laughs> insane yeah it's amazing, crazy it? I think untouchable is a great word to describe it um, and even looking at the drivers that were taking part, you know, it's not like he was the, the only decent driver on there. Like, it's full of world champions. We have Fernando Alonso, who was, you know, although he was falling out of love a bit with Ferrari at this point, still doing fantastic performances. Um, like you say, Jensen Button, Kimi Raikkonen, all these F1 world champions, Rosberg, who would go on to be a future world champion, Hamilton, all these people that he's racing against. And yes, they might not have been in a car that is as incredible um, as a full unit as the RB9 was, but, you know, they're not bad drivers that he's racing against. And so for him to just take each victory, most of which, you know, were that he probably got on pole and just sailed off into the sunset with his with his uh, red bull but it was without, an incredible achievement without looking how many wins do you think weber took that season one i i know this because i looked at Z- yesterday zero nil point zero, zero. No, didn't Nothing. win a single race and vettel won uh i gave, him, I gave him a chance yeah <laughs> okay yeah. yeah, thirteen I mean, out of nineteen wins. Malaysia just had the best his. car. You should. You could have argued Malaysia was his, but yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah that's why it. I said one. <coughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but awesome. yeah, there you go. Right. Well, uh, great little story time here, guys. Um, it. Anything? <laughs> any final <laughs> thoughts, Tommy? No. No final no, thoughts. No, we've been through it all. Oh God, you're so boring i love how <laughs> usually well before you'd be like oh you know wearing away trying to say something but i think now, i think my final thoughts were just about yeah the fact that it's an amazing achievement that he can always be okay, super cool. proud of and i think that's where you've got to i know he's had a really tough season but i i'm not saying he's like top five greatest ever but he's he's up there definitely just because of because of you know the dominance yeah. in this era top no 10 doubt. Four, you don't win four world titles by being a bad driver. And not be, yeah. yeah. Fluker. Not be, not be great. Um, yeah. Okay, thanks, Tommy, for giving us some final thoughts. I know it's <laughs> become a meme now that whenever I ask you, you just don't know what to say. But I'm <laughs> going to continue with it every single episode of every podcast we ever As long do. as you call me the Katie, founder. Katie, do you have any final thoughts? Um, so my final thought, I've actually pre-prepared Here we go. This, oh, this is where planned. you make a prediction. Oh, <laughs> no, no. <laughs> Hamilton so will is... never win another race. <laughs> oh, imagine. Oh, I've God, got imagine here. he retires. Yeah. Um, I've got a quote here from Fernando Alonso talking about Sebastian Vettel at the time, which I'm hoping will spark some debate in the comments. So I know exactly this is, what this is going to be. You know the quote, yeah? Yeah. So, 
Time will tell when he will have a car like the others if he wins. He will have great recognition and be one of the legends in F1, but when one day he has a car like the others and he finishes fourth, fifth or seventh, those four titles will be bad news for him. People will take those four titles in a worse manner than what they do now, so there are interesting times for Seb ahead. Oh, very cryptic, but that's my final thought. It's it's not cryptic at all, (laughs) is it? It's it's straight up Alonso has predicted it, I guess, in some ways. Yeah, I mean... Yeah, the debate is <laughs> no Formula One driver has really won the world title in not the best car. I mean, that's coming from Fernando Alonso, two-time world champion, mm. who was driving arguably the best car for those two years. So, yeah, you can take it with a... He, he loved the mind games there, and I think this was the yeah. season. There's, there's that very famous... Um, I think it was a BBC article that does the round. Uh, people always screenshot it and share it of Hamilton, Vettel's dominance war fans, and now everyone uses it as, oh, is that the case, Lewis? Now yeah, he's won. Yeah. Now he's, you know, seven world titles. On Twitter. Yeah, exactly. Um, okay. Perfect. Tommy added a little bit more final thoughts. I love it. Well done, Tommy. I'm so, proud I, of I'm you. I'm not done now. I'm not done now. So, <laughs> I want to talk more. Um, but yeah, there we go. Thank you so much for, for watching and listening. That time when, once again. Uh, if you have any suggestions for other um episodes that we can do any stories that you'd like us to cover then uh, use the hashtag wtf1 podcast on twitter that's probably the best way to, to to get to us um and of course subscribe like whatever you're doing wherever you're listening give us a five stars if it's not a like because you know we deserve nothing less and that is it we're done thank you tommy thank you katie and uh, we'll see you again for another that time when podcast bye-bye bye, bye. i'm waving do you always wave? You always, always wave, right? Because I yeah, always wave. Yeah. I don't, I've never checked if I wave in the right place. But um, oh, well, I, hope so. I may have been waving to a wall the entire time. Anyway, <laughs> bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye.